made it. This is our 30th show in a row. The Soccer OG World Cup Daily going the width and breadth of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. And it culminates with a game that I don't know if you can even say arguably the greatest World Cup final. I, I think it goes without question where this game stands. This is arguably the greatest World Cup game of all time. Are arguably the greatest game when you think about it's a World Cup final and you have that kind of drama and outcome with all the players in place. We saw something truly unbelievable. Emotionals overloaded throughout. And well, it was a, it was a great game. I was actually at a Christmas party last night and a couple friends were telling me about it and they were under the impression the game started at 11. And I go, 11 a.m. Pacific time. I go, no, 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 it's 7 a.m. They go, what? They redid their schedule, so I felt good that I was able to pass that information. Before we get into the game, we're also going to talk about where this World Cup stands. When you look at all the data, it's probably the uh, the biggest World Cup, greatest World Cup on the field in the history of the competition that dates back 92 years. This is the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Find the Soccer OG World Cup Daily where all podcasts are available when you are listening on audio form and hopefully you're listening to it Monday morning on the way in to get a little more fill. I mean, the information is saturated here on YouTube where you can also find the program and everywhere. But we give you the Soccer OG World Cup Daily Spin. Check out all the past videos from this past month. A lot of information that we went over that certainly... Uh, springs in towards what happens moving forward in 2023, 24, 25, 26, including yesterday where we, we talked about a FIFA Club World Cup in 2025. Here are my social media handles. Check them out. We have been very active. Thanks for everyone who has chimed in. Leave a comment. We do like to interact with all of you. Like and subscribe video. I put on a jacket, but I didn't shave. I really didn't comb my hair either. It has just been, whoo. Uh, an overload and I can't believe it's over but it is and uh, we end in the very best possible way so we will talk about the legacy of this World Cup here shortly but let us begin with uh, what we saw on Sunday Argentina 3 France 3 goes into penalties Argentina wins in penalties 4-2 to two, just like they did against the Netherlands they find a way through this this tournament after succumbing and allowing a two-goal lead to disappear. This one felt like it was getting away from them because France were able to score in the 80th and then the 81st minute. I know there are some people that got up to go to the bathroom or to get a beverage and probably missed both those goals. Both scored by Kylian Mbappe, who had a hat-trick. Um, probably missed both those goals. Why would you think that France were going to score? They hadn't registered a shot. They, they, they registered their first shot, period, a few minutes earlier. Shot on target. They ended up with five, but it all happened after that 80th minute. France were listless. So uh, Argentina deservedly wins this. You know, there's going to be people that talk about the officiating, and it was, it was not consistent. There were so many moments of criticism. The opening goal where uh, Angel Di Maria nutmegged Usmane Dembele after France were getting some momentum. Dembele comes across. There was some contact. He went down. I would have preferred that. Wasn't called a penalty, but if you're looking at it, there's no way you're going to talk yourself out of it if VAR had reviewed it. There is an argument that a lot of theatrics, certainly from Argentina, that uh, paved the way 
there were some comments that because of PSG's connection to Messi and the Qatari ownership group that maybe they did him a solid. I won't believe that for a second. Argentina, five penalties awarded in this World Cup. That's the most for a team since 1966. But I look back at all five penalties and none of them were truly scandalous. Some, A couple of them I weren't crazy about, but it wasn't like they they weren't in that gray area or leaning towards being a penalty, just a very close marginal decision. Very heavily officiated tournament, very heavily officiated here as well. 45 total fouls, eight yellow cards. Um, we can remember about the, the heavily officiated game between Argentina and the Netherlands as well. Uh, I'm not crazy about it, but it is what it is, right? And that is certainly a bit of a subplot here, but the way the game was played, France were just overwhelmed that Argentina got those two goals and were able to distance themselves. And even after the French comeback, you would figure Argentina would welt, would wilt. Uh, you know, I, I compare it to the MLS Cup final that we had. And what I said when I watched that game between LFC and the Philadelphia Union, when the Union allowed a goal so late and... Argentina allowed a goal late in stoppage time, or late in extra time, that it must be so hard to get yourself back up for the penalties. Not only did Argentina get themselves back up for the penalties a second time, but they overwhelmed France. I mean, even in that goal, every time Dibu Martinez came in, he literally looked twice the size of Hugo Lloris, who had a shocker. He wasn't close to saving any of those. So this game was over as soon as it went to penalties. Dibu Martinez is just fantastic. Hugo Lloris was lost. And the French penalty takers, I mean, uh, Aurelien Chouameni missed his completely wide. So Argentina proving they're very good in these situations. But they were the better team. They were caning France in the first half. They were beating them up early in the second half, if not these peculiar two goals. I mean, it happened like the Dutch. I mean, the Argentines will be kicking themselves, except for the fact they won the World Cup and probably not caring that they're giving up two goal leads. It was quite the occasion, 88,000 folks at the Lucille Stadium. Uh, it seemed like 90% of them were Argentines, or as Andres Cantor said on the broadcast, um, that uh, you know, at least 80, 90%, he said 84,000 were wearing Argentina shirts, could have been Qatari fans, who knows. Uh, Andres Cantor, by the way, I'm not a big fan, I never do it, you'll see it, where you put a phone and you film yourself screaming the goal call, but uh, his goal call certainly emotionally driven, very nice to hear uh, a guy who is from Argentina and seeing his team. Maybe not the most professional thing to do when you're supposed to be calling it down the line for a neutral audience. But it's soccer. We allow emotions to run high. And I think it was certainly a good moment. Uh, I'm not crazy about filming yourself. I don't know. But to each their own. And Andres Cantor, I will say this, is a big reason why doing this for a profession. I saw him and I said, I want to do it. And here, all these years later making a really nice living, calling soccer, and uh, hopefully doing that for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe, you know, part of the star power to come through, and Kylian Mbappe scoring a hat-trick, two penalties. He hit his penalty in the shootout. Remember we were talking about Harry Kane, how he missed his penalty, and people say, you shouldn't let a guy take two penalties in the game because you're giving the goalkeeper an advantage. That didn't seem to bother Mbappe who was uh, a sensational. I thought in this game when France were just getting, you know, 
absolutely demolished and it was getting away from them and it felt like they were going to allow a third goal. 41st minute, and you have to give a lot of credit to Didier Deschamps. 41st minute, he pulls Olivier Giroud and Usmane Dembele. Dembele was having a horror show. Maybe the worst single performance I saw in this World Cup, certainly in that kind of spot. Uh, he's going to have to take a lot of criticism, but that was a very ballsy move there by Deschamps. He knew he wasn't going to get a goal in the first half, and maybe you wait till halftime, but that's a message you send to your players, right? That's a message you go, hey, snap out of it. We're not out of this, but uh, I am making some changes. I don't care whose feelings get hurt. This is the World Cup final. Didier Deschamps, uh, again, pushed all the right buttons. He pulled Antoine Griezmann. Griezmann, another one having a horror show. Some people were telling me that Griezmann was the player of the tournament. <laughs> They're on Twitter going, no matter what happens in the final. Come on now. Come on now. But... They pulled him out, and then these young kids coming in, in particular, Randall Kolo Muani, who to me, I thought he was the best player uh, on the field for a stretch there. He won the penalty to make it 2-1. He was pushing forward all the time, and he helped his team get illuminated. As we talked about Mbappe and Messi, i got to say something about Angel Di Maria. Yes, he scored the goal that was the game winner in the Copa America, but I have seen Angel Di Maria so many times in big games come in and just disappear and not rise to the occasion. It was a bit of a surprise that he started this game. He got in there and Lionel Scaloni, who is also an absolute rock star from this competition, making all the right decisions from adjusting his lineup after the Saudi Arabia loss. Uh, I love the images of him after the game and that he just kept his emotions, got the best of him. What an incredible uh, achievement, uh, you know, 36 years, a long time for Argentina. 36 years. Think about the generations that have come and gone, and then you can see what it meant to the Argentine public. But Lionel Scaloni and Pablo Aymar and Walter Samuel on that sideline did the job that you needed to do. And Angel Di Maria, who got out in the 63rd minute, you could not ask for a better performance. Then he had to go to the sideline and sweat it, and he was overcome with emotions watching France come back and hoping that uh, this would not be the end for him. And, you know, he's in his mid-30s. And Lionel Messi, who, uh, who scores this incredible goal in the 108th minute, Mbappe would score in the 118th minute. Just, uh, and that's, I, I want to talk about the extra time. Because this, if there ever was a game to not stop a game and keep playing, this was it. You know, you go 2-2 and then you figure teams play for the penalties. That was not the case here. We had two goals in extra time and we had the opportunity for several more, including the play of the game in the 123rd or 120 plus three minutes. The break and uh, Adibu Martinez full stretch to deny the one final chance for the French. That would have gone in. Can you imagine France win it after extra time, 4-3. to three. We were this close. It was this full stretch. He did a split in front of us to make that save. And that's why I think it's important to look at this. And Messi deserves all the accolades. But this Argentina team is lifting the Jules Rimet trophy because they were the better team. And France, it seemed like, had Kylian Mbappe and they were trying to find the pieces to work around him. And it was a struggle that they had to pull the star players out in the first half. Lionel Messi had Julian Alvarez come up big in prior games. In this, Angel Di Maria scoring 
uh, winning the penalty, which was converted by Messi, and then scoring after a beautiful setup by Alexis McAllister. Beautiful team goal. And then Dibu Martinez with a great save, and then what he did in the penalties. Uh, and the Argentine defense that was just so stoic until that one little spot where they, uh, I don't know what happened. I mean, it's hard to play that well, so I'll forgive them. And they won the World Cup, so water under the bridge. Um, and again, this is a, a final that will stand the test of time. Um, this was a game that, I mean, you, you set your expectations so low for a World Cup final. And this thing just decimated them. And even the semifinals we had, the quarterfinals were great. This was, uh, uh, you know, a six goals in the last World Cup. That is absolute science fiction, the last World Cup final. We get six goals here again. This was really, really special. Lionel Scaloni, who said, we had so many players who were willing to take a, uh, a penalty at the end. I thought that was really interesting. He says, players broke their back for this. And you certainly got that impression. Argentina were not going to lose this. These guys were going to die out there. It felt that important. And you know, I, I tweeted it just like the great words of Martin Tyler when Manchester City had that goal by Kun Aguero, who was there. And he said, uh, I swear you'll never see anything like this again. I don't think we'll see anything like this again. These two heavyweights battling it out. And by the way, also for Argentina, first non-European team to win the World Cup since... 20 years, 2002. Great for the competition and great for uh, the global game. It was also nice to see that the rest of the Americas were pulling him. Pele sent uh, congratulations. Uh, Lula da Silva, the Brazilian, recently re-elected Brazilian president, says, happy with the victory for our Argentine neighbors. Uh, this is, it's all goodwill. And the images in Argentina. Now, something we got to keep an eye on Argentina, that they are always in financial their economy is always in a horrible state. I don't know what this does for it. I don't think it does much. I mean, this is going to bring a lot of joy. We've seen those images in Buenos Aires with the obelisco, and it's like it's just a sea of people. And Argentines everywhere celebrate. I hope this can help them as a country um, improve their lives, improve their livelihood, improve their economy. Hard to say it will. Nothing's really been emerging from Argentina. This really is an outlier. When you look at their football uh, with their league and everything, it has been struggling to maintain levels like Brazil and certainly in Europe. So I hope, I, I certainly pray and hope that there is uh, something that we'll able to do. As for Messi, World Cup, Copa America, and he gets those in the last two years, four Champions League trophies, seven Ballon d'Ors, that's a record, 10 La Liga totals, and that's just the beginning of it all. Uh, he has won it all. We can talk about Messi, Ronald. I, I ain't going to bore you with that discussion. Messi is a top-line player, as is Ronaldo. And then Pele Maradona. I mean, there's your Mount Rushmore, I would imagine. Maybe, you know, you could have some, old, some more antiquated names like Alfredo Di Stefano or anything. But... Uh, Lionel Messi, especially with the World Cup, his 26th World Cup game, that's a record, um, the, in appearances. And it's the numbers are there, but just your eyes tell you what a special uh, a player this was. And he, I think he, what, he played every minute, right? He never pulled out. Now, there's moments where he has to, he can't run that whole time. I mean, this is such a demanding competition when you see the two uh, games as well that went into 
penalties. So enjoy it. Rewatch the game. I certainly am. And what a great showpiece. And how great was it? When we return on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily, we will tell you why this was, for so many reasons, the best World Cup we have ever seen. Like, subscribe, check out the podcast, check out the YouTube. We'll be back, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. Dale campeón! Dale campeón! back here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. What an incredible day in sports. Argentina wins the World Cup. My fantasy football team is moving on to the semifinals in my fantasy football league too, in case you were curious. So all good on that front. Was this the best World Cup? Well, the numbers suggest uh, no question. And granted, part of that is because it was held in 2022, where the popularity for the sport, where the enthusiasm and the money is at an all-time high. Uh, first, Qatar, which is a unique host in so many ways, spent $300 billion, seven new stadiums, a new transit system, which we saw at airports, hotels. You wonder if the World Cup has future hosting situations where it's held more in like a city, like it was here in Doha, where you had the stadiums, where you don't have this uh, sprawl of games. I mean, I love that, but let's face it. It is hard on the players. It's hard on the people working for a World Cup, as we saw in Russia. And in Brazil, where there was a lot of flights. I mean, you don't want to do that. Certainly if you're a player. So the players certainly enjoyed this experience a whole lot more. And maybe there is some belief for that. There are several cities. If Doha can host a whole World Cup, why can't London? Why can't Los Angeles? Why can't Sao Paulo? It's very possible. But, you know, we're traditionalists and I would like to see it the old way. Uh, it's nice that someone can watch two World Cups in a day, but uh, it's just too big of a competition, right? It's just too big. So all of that, um, we're talking about $7.5 billion earned for Qatar going into the FIFA coffers. Uh, there's even discussion that FIFA might move their offices to Qatar. Why not after developing these relationships um, there was a record payout, $440 million to players, which is a drop in the bucket for some of these players and teams based on what they make. I'm not saying none of that's a, a drop in the bucket. But uh, the, the winner, Argentina, brings home a record $42 million. I mean, we're talking about crazy money in every case here. So all that with Qatar showed that uh, how lucrative a World Cup can be. And that is a big reason why FIFA wants to get into more soccer competitions. I know we're reluctant to give our, all our football hopes and dreams to FIFA uh, as kiltered as they have been and with some of their messaging. And look, this World Cup had a lot of flaws. I'm not going to just uh, cake it over with all this beautiful football which we had. But, you know, from the issues, from uh, the, the viruses that were hitting people, we, we lost Grant Wall there. I mean, that's going to be something we remember from years and years to come. Um, the, the issues with the public, with the women's rights, and certainly the homosexual rights, the homosexual community there and how they were received. It was quite the mixed bag. Um, the criticism keeps rolling in for Qatar, the human rights issues. Uh, that is all there. But this is probably going to be a water under the bridge situation as they move on. And Qatar becomes a bigger name in world football. I think more than anything, that is going to be the lasting uh, outcome from all of this and FIFA very happy 
with how Qatar was able to run this, but that helps when you have bottomless pockets. And who knows? Because look, we have the U.S. World Cup in 2026. We don't know about 2030. There was that Mediterranean World Cup with Saudi Arabia possibly hosting it. You would be, don't dig your head in the sand and say, that ain't going to happen. It can happen. And we'll find out here in a couple years. For us here in the United States, we knew it was going to be a very popular World Cup, uh, but the numbers were pretty startling. Uh, USA-England, the most watched game with a peak audience just under 20 million viewers. I mean, that's crazy. It's not the biggest game. Uh, the Women's World Cup final from 2000, uh, 2000 whatever the year, the one in Canada, uh, it superseded that. Um, Argentina-Mexico the next day was the most watched game for Telemundo in the history of broadcasting that on the Spanish language side. Quarterfinal games, France-England, 8.8 million. That's a 39% increase. The semifinals, Croatia-Argentina, far from the sexiest game in a semifinal, and it drew just under 7 million people, which was a 43% increase. So interest is there, and it's so important to hold on to that uh, from Fox and Telemundo leading up to 2026. Obviously, you see a big jump with the U.S. The U.S. team looks so promising. There was expected global audience of 1.5 billion viewers. I mean, I don't know. How many people do we have in the world? That's almost like one out of every two or one out of every two and a half people watch this. This is the greatest sport. You know, Fox was getting some criticism because they had to duck out by uh, 1 p.m. East Coast time to join their NFL action. And they had to do the trophy ceremony on FS1. And that trophy ceremony was something. Debo Martinez with the hand, which I think is a pone huevos, which is, you know, put your, you know, put your, your privates in. It's a, it's a rallying cry in Argentina. He kind of had it cupping it there. And then the traditional uh, cloak that was put on Messi, which I understand it and it's Qatar and we, we want to respect that part of the world. But that's his shot with his Argentine jersey. And I think to put something over it is, is non-traditional. We'll leave it at that. Um... But Messi, being a great sport, agreed to it. And the Middle East is going to be a big player in the World Cup. They already are with soccer when we look at what's happening with Newcastle United, PSG, and that will continue to grow. Manchester City, the Middle East dictates so much in the sport. And we can see with these astronomical numbers. But this will all move forward to what happens in the United States because that is going to be the biggest World Cup. That's going to deliver even bigger numbers here the American audience is so huge because it raises that standard because we have so many people here and there's so much money here in the United States. So when Fox and Telemundo gets these kind of coverage and numbers, um, it's something uh, to be excited about. We just got to hang on for it. As for the games, the final was the greatest World Cup game ever. And I'm not, I'm not debating it. The semifinals, you had an African team in there for the first time. Asian teams did exceptionally well. They had their best World Cup. Japan, Korea making the round of 16. Iran almost making it there. Saudi Arabia, the only team to beat Argentina. An excellent achievement. Young African teams showing that they can emerge. And of course, the success of Morocco showing the rest of the world is picking up steam. CONCACAF, yeah, they get the World Cup in four years so we can kind of Wash that away. But it wasn't an embarrassing performance. And you have a young Canadian team that's going to be very excited 
moving forward. But the round of 16, it was a real mixed bag of so many countries and matchups. Felt like a proper World Cup when you have Japan, Croatia, and Brazil versus Korea, and Netherlands versus the United States in the round of 16. That is good. And we had three continents represented in the semifinals, and we had a different continent winning it too. So some of the play, I mean, there weren't these, I don't, there wasn't a lot of amazing goals. I mean, I love the Argentina Di Maria goal, the second one to make it two zip in this. I love some of the free kicks from the Netherlands, the Swiss goal uh, with uh, Remo Freuler scoring. Um, not a lot of great set pieces. Uh, the, the Mexican player, the name is case, we had that great free kick. There weren't a lot of great goals, uh, but there was a lot of good competition. We had those blowouts early that were just outliers. They were just, it wasn't a reflection off of Costa Rica or Switzerland. It's just a game that happened. And then the personalities. I mean, what happens if, in fact, Ronaldo and Messi step away and Neymar step away? We have Mbappe. We don't know if Erling Haaland's going to qualify for the World Cup. I don't think you're going to have a collection of talent quite like this and Lionel Messi doing it for the old guys. So, yes... And I say this reluctantly because I didn't want the Qatari World Cup to go so great. But this really was, on the field, the best World Cup we have seen. And it's now over. And we move forward here on the Soccer OG World Cup Daily. I want to wish everyone a happy holiday season. We'll be back here. Check out the YouTube page. Check out the podcast. We're expecting a big 2023. I want to take a little break tomorrow, but I promise to do a closing show. I, I think I'll come on, but I'll surprise you with that. Thanks for everyone for the support. And of course, the great sponsor at Farmer John. I have to come back to do a great sp- Farmer John, bringing all the hits. A great sponsor throughout this World Cup. Uh, I'm going to keep having my Farmer John breakfasts. I expect you to do too. Get your Farmer John in your local uh, <laughs> grocery store and enjoy it. And I really appreciate what they were able to do and make me whole and allow me to have a reason to watch every World Cup game. We'll see you very soon. Felicidades al comunidad y el pueblo argentino por ganar este mundial. Lots of emotions out to them. And thanks to everyone who made it so great. Let's go. 